Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. It's been a hell of a week for us Chelsea fans. Um, Andres, I'm just going to bring you in early on this one. I really don't feel like doing an intro because I feel gut punched. <laughs> I feel deflated. I feel like the heart and soul has been ripped out of this team. Um, but how do you feel? Because fuck how I feel right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty bummed out. I, I knew the possibility of Rudiger was always the leaving was always there. Um, but because it took so long into in this deep into the season, I really thought, oh, he's obviously trying to stay and we just can't sign him because of the sanctions. But honestly, He's 29 going on 30. This is the last chance to secure the bag. I'm not going to blame someone for securing a four-year deal at the money he needs. He's a bummer. It's a bummer. That's that's how I see it. I It's, it's a bummer because Rudiger, since Tuchel arrived, has been in every team sheet I think I've ever imagined for every match. Never he's thought been of. the best he's been the best player under Tuchel. Since Tuchel came in, I think he's consistently been our best player. And to add to that, I also and I don't think anybody's gonna argue with this, I think he's been, if not the best, but the either the best or second best center back in Europe in the last 18 months or so, just based on pure form and consistency. That's my issue with this, Andres, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but maybe you could sort of bounce off of what I'm about to say. But my whole issue with this, and we were talking about it before we before we went live, it's not necessarily the impact of losing him on the pitch. It's more so the attitude he brings, the mentality he brings, even even his intimidation of just having him there in the back three, the other team knowing that there's somebody back there that's willing to clobber anybody to get the to get the ball, it it affects other teams. And it's obvious when he's not playing on the pitch how much our performances suffer. And if we're going based off of any evidence, because we really haven't seen this team without Rudiger up until recently when he got injured, if there's if the evidence shows anything without him, it's that He's definitely going to be missed. There is that physical presence in the back that's missing. There is also the mental aspect as well. I mean, we haven't even touched on his impact in the dressing room either. But kind of going off what you said, I have zero hard feelings towards him. I actually wish him well. I I, I hope he wins the league over there. I hope we win the Champions League. But (laughs) if we don't have the chance to do it, why why, why not let Rudy have another crack at it? I mean... The guy's just looking out for himself, and and granted, the club did supposedly do everything they could they could do. Man, I'm to not buying him. that. I'm not buying that bullshit. So, Andres, to kind of go off of that, not buying that bullshit, I'm gonna ask you Michael Conan's question because I think it kind of fits in perfectly. Michael Conan asked, "Who do you blame for Rudiger likely leaving? Marina, Rain, or Rudiger's form pre-Tuchel?" 
it seems like there was hesitation to pay him based on his form outside of Tuchel. So just kind of touch on that a little bit and give us your thoughts. I think it goes down to the board. I think the way I see it is you're right. The the He makes a good point. The form before Tuchel was up and down, left and right. I mean, we, we really – we didn't even have him as like a top two center back in this team, maybe not even top three based mm-hmm. on that form. I think this comes down to just a big, big dick battle of chicken between the board and Rudiger where the board was forcing it because Rudiger would have signed a contract if we would have given him what he wanted, right? I think going into his last year, the board thought, okay, maybe he will see that nobody's offering him any money and then we can lowball him. I understand that the club has had this rule where you don't give multiple years to people over 30 years old. And honestly, I think that rule is outdated at this point. I think that Tiago Silva is the perfect uh, example to use as to why I don't think you should just offer a one-year deal at a time to a 30-year-old. I believe that 30-year-old athletes are getting smarter. Technology and, and research has gotten better as to how to prolong careers. And... We've mentioned all the positive impacts of Rudiger. If the manager wants him to stay, if the player wants to stay, was a three-year deal really something that we couldn't fathom when he's been arguably healthy ever since he arrived after an ACL tear from Roma? The man right now has both a groin injury and a calf injury or something along those lines. One in each leg. He's been playing through both. So, I mean, I think this is complete. I don't think the rain group is part of it. That's recent. I think the yeah. board knew the countdown was coming and they were trying to play hardball instead of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to show you're grateful, like paying the guy that made success happen. I, I don't I'm, I'm lacking the exact word. He earned it. Yeah. How hey, else do you possibly hey, earn respect? It by, yeah, exactly. I think I think just purely based on merit, he should have gotten it. But 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 that's beside the point. I mean, to kind of answer Michael Michael Conan's question, Andres, I agree with you. I don't think it had anything to do with Rain Group. I think Rain, if anything, was trying to prolong his decision until we got a new owner in, so he can make the right to make an informed decision, or at least allow right. time for the new owners to come in and make him their offer, or give them a, or give him their own proposal. For me, this falls on Marina. You let the contract run down to six months, and and and, and granted, I'm not counting the sanctions as a part of this. We didn't foresee the sanctions coming, so there's really right. not much we can do when we're financially handicapped by the British government. I get that. But if you're going to let someone's contract run down to six months, you have to understand that there could be potentially extenuating circumstances that might not enable you to make the offer that you want to make anymore or not or make you not able to offer a little bit more. I don't know why the fuck we're penny pinching on a 200. What was it? 230 was the contract. That's what the report is. Yeah. Okay. Lukaku's on 300 plus. Keppa is on similar money to what we offered Rudiger. You know, and I think the 230 would have sufficed is just you waited too long because now we don't know what Real Madrid offered. We don't know what Barcelona was throwing around. We don't know what other teams were offering. If you would have just made that offer, I believe his first offer was below what Loftus-Cheek made weekly. 
it was like 180 or something like that. Regardless, and, and, regardless of the number. Yeah. Off to Sheik is not even a week in, week out starter. It's just I mean, you got Cho making 150,000 a week. I don't even want to get into his contract, but every step of the way there was disrespect towards Rudiger. You yeah. should have if he's saying I want more than this, don't don't even like start like, "Oh, well, we can't break the way." Just say, "Okay, our 11 there's 11 players on the pitch. He needs to make ballpark around the same as the other 11 10 players." You don't throw a fourth choice center mid salary as the first offer. I don't care that we offered Loftus-Cheek that money before his injury during Sarri's season. I don't give a shit about that. It's bullshit. He's one of your main players, 29 in his prime, Premier League proven. Like He has done everything under the current manager who is supposed to be staying here long term. You throw in a one-year contract because you know that's what it was, maybe two years, Mm -hmm. below what your fourth choice center mid was. And that was the initial, like this mm-hmm. goes down to the club that Rudiger and his brother or stepbrother, half brother, whatever did their due diligence. And they heard everyone else for and a they, while. They waited to see if Chelsea mm-hmm. did better and Chelsea didn't. This is not like the Christensen situation where Christensen was supposed to sign twice and then backed out twice. This is to, on the club period. To give you an idea in January, when the transfer window opened and his contract officially hit the six-month mark, which also meant he was officially allowed to start talking to other clubs, we thought we would have a decision within two or three days as to whether he'll sign with Chelsea or with someone else. We were waiting for some kind of announcement. So to your point, Andres, he didn't just wait. He waited more than enough for more than enough time for Chelsea to snap into place and be like, oh. Maybe we should pay this guy a little bit. Hey, maybe he has been the best center back in Europe for the last 12 to 18 months. Hey, maybe we do have a, what? what is it, almost a 70% win rate when he's in the starting lineup. Hey, like, uh, look at all these different factors and, and what he brings to the table. And uh, th- this goes to my point that I made. I know I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm pissed off. This goes to the point that I made when the sanctions were first put on the club. And I don't remember who it was, but they asked about the role of Marina. Um, you know, is she she was coming fresh off of her, you know, club director of the year award, award or whatever, whatever the fuck that award is. It, she, my point is, she gets she, she basically handed it back by letting Rudiger, by letting this Rudiger saga get to Ooh. where it is. It, Honestly, it, man. It, it, but but here's it, the thing, the, the the writing was on the walls before it got to the Rudiger con- – like we went into this season with four defenders out of contract, four, four yeah. contributing defenders. Thiago Silva didn't have a contract at the beginning of the year, uh, Christensen, Rudiger, and we had to activate a clause on Aspie. Those Dave's guys clause were- was only activated because of appearances apparently too. We've Regardless, had a to play him. We activated it not because he wanted to stay. We activated yeah. it because sanctions came on our ass, and now it's like, oh shit, we already lost Christensen. We're about to lose Rudiger, and guess what? We don't even know if we can sign players in the summer. So again, yeah. free Rudiger. This shit goes back to the board, lack of planning, trying to play hardball, and and you can go even further back because we had gay the likes of Gehi in this team. We had the likes of Livermento still under contract. And we let all those situations go to shit to where those players could have been here under contract, getting a few minutes here and there, and 
ready to take on because they would have been under the manager, learned the system, and then, oh, Rudiger leaves. Well, good thing we have this guy already. Like, well, well, I bet you Christensen's thinking he definitely made the right decision now. Just look what happened. Like, Christensen's probably looking back and is thinking, man, even if I didn't play like shit in all of those <laughs> shit performances that I had, even if I played my ass off and was a world beater, I still wouldn't stay. Like, it's my thing is this, Andres. We let the Kyle Tomori go. We let Kurt Zuma go. We let Mark Gehi go. Three center backs that all could have been useful this year, more so than an Andreas Christensen type of player, <laughs> right? But also guys who were on contracts where they would would have been able to stay for the foreseeable. Also players that can develop and, and will develop into better players later on. I mean, we're already seeing Mark Gahey turn into, you know, one of the best young English center backs out there. Kyle Tomori starts every single game for AC Milan, and he's he, he's a fan favorite over there. They're top of the league right yeah, now. Yeah, he's about to win a league title. They're about to win a league title with our throwaway center back and our quote-unquote aging striker that wasn't of use to us anymore. And and they're about to win the league. Both of those guys are in their starting 11. It's, it's insane to me. So I'm not having this whole, oh, Marina's this great club director, this and that. No. When a new owner comes in, I think it's so important now more than ever that you put somebody in that position who is a football person. Somebody that actually played and has been around and understands the game of football nobody can convince me otherwise that Marina understands football as well as a Monchi, for example. Because people people like that would identify the Rudiger situation and say, hey, this this guy is way too valuable for us. If we lose Rudiger and things go sour, we could potentially set ourselves back three or four years. Because that's the reality of it. Yeah. As of right now, we can't buy any new players. When the new owners come in, obviously they're going to buy center backs. But every single center back we're linked with is young. And my concern is that if these young center backs need time, then that gap between Liverpool and Man City gets bigger. We go backwards. We've only been closing that gap. So now you're letting guys that have won the Champions League, that play for their national teams every single time and get called up, and that have been putting in performances, you're letting guy like that go. That's my whole problem with this with, with, with Rudiger leaving. It's not it's obviously we're sad about the player, but it's the fucking concept of it. It is one of the dumbest footballing decisions, the most laughable footballing decisions any team across Europe has made this season. Yeah, I to me it's one of those things where like Marina's great at selling, right? She always gets value when she's trying to sell, but my god, it's been a struggle. To She's keep, not a football person. To, to keep and to, to, and then with the Lukaku thing, to not overpay at times. Um, so, yeah, in terms of for Conan's question, yeah, I mean, I think it goes down to whoever the hell is negotiating his contract. If it's Marina alone, then it's Marina. Like, I don't blame Rain. And honestly, pre-Tuchel doesn't matter because Tuchel's in charge. So, like, oh, under Lampard, he wasn't good. Different manager. Lampard's not here. Lampard's not going to be here anytime soon. Like, it's... I don't care about pre-18 months. It's kind of like saying something along the lines like, oh, like, people don't want to sign Cancelo because 18 months ago he wasn't good. Like, bro, no. 
anybody <laughs> would love to have Cancelo. I mean, Madrid right now, I honestly, I, I don't Asha know. If, I don't know if Madrid, no, but like, I don't know if Madrid like needed Rudiger, but shit, like, he's there. Yeah, I you mean, better get him, him, otherwise, otherwise PSG is gonna get him. I'd rather not I mean, play against him. <laughs> He's he's going elsewhere. I in terms of the player in the future of his career, I obviously wish him the best. I do have my concerns that he may be going into a team not playing a back three, and what that may do for his career. Because I honestly just wish he would kind of have his last four years be as successful as the previous two seasons here at Chelsea. But I mean, yeah, Tom Ashdown, he was telling us, you know, he thinks it makes us ten percent weaker. Uh, representing our spirit and consistency is going to be it's going to be sad to see like I'm going to miss the maniac I am like Rudiger for all his madness and and the 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 random bad moments that come with all the good it's it's going to be weird like I'm when he scores and does his crazy eyes or, or when we win a trophy and he does the dancing like you need guys like that in the locker room and it's sad that like back-to-back seasons now we're losing those character guys so you know we we yeah like the it's zuma one we knew had to to leave but that's fine rudiger though like i honestly believe like we are gonna do anything like i thought that there was a promise at this point that the new owners were gonna give him what he wanted but we just that's disrespected what I'm a little surprised too many about. times no i think it's just again i think the new owners probably all three parties that are still in it probably don't want to do a crazy restructuring. Like they haven't seen what the wage structure is yet. So they probably yeah. were told like, yeah, we have a rule, you know, unspoken rule. We don't give multi-year contracts to 30 year olds. And they were like, okay, well give him the money he wants per week at a one year at a time. And the reality is Rudiger just wanted to secure his future. And or I just can't blame a- the guy for that. Or just a simple gentleman's agreement, like sign the contract now, and then when we take over, we're gonna give, we'll give you a bumper in six months. Yeah, but that's not, but but that's a thing. Like you, you don't do that with when it comes to your salary and your future. Like Rudiger is yeah, yeah, smarter no, no. than that. I, I, like I, 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 I'm saying that as like a hopeless romantic. Keep in gotcha. mind. Gotcha. But but he gave you know, the club every chance. The point exactly. Is he stayed till we are five days away from May. And you want and, and you want further proof? He hasn't uttered a word about leaving the club. He hasn't he a hinted private, anything. A private meeting with Tuchel mm-hmm. to let him know that he was leaving. And even if this was in the back of his head for months, obvi- we couldn't tell on the pitch. Meanwhile, we've talked about Christensen every single time he's on the pitch because home, homeboy's brain is in a different country already. Barcelona's so, Andreas Christensen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's a bummer. It's a it's a big bummer. Um, silver lining, I think, with losing both Rudiger and Christensen, you open up the door for Tuchel to really, if if the new ownership does come in wanting to to please the manager and the fans with signings, this is where we'll find out if Tuchel wants to go back three in the long run or if he's ready to make the switch to a back four. Because you just lost two center backs who are primarily back three players. And Thiago Silva is going into next year probably as like a guy you're going to try to phase out from playing every single week. So, And he's done it in both a three and a four. 
So it'll again, it'll let Tuchel get his first choices. Hopefully, exactly, exactly. I mean, and, I mean, we're, we're hinging everything on. Just... Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're also hinging everything on the new owners coming in and making a splash, which I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar, whoever it is, yeah, is going to come in. They're going to make at least one marquee signing in each area of the field. Like I, I think I think there's at least three big signings this summer guaranteed nailed on. I think there's one in midfield, one in the attack. If we can somehow fucking Conte just needs to go to PSG so we can so we can get <laughs> Lukaku there. Lukaku to PSG. Yeah, that that would be perfect. I saw a rumor about that, and I yeah. I don't know. It just sounds. I mean, it sounds like a. Done, it sounds like Conte Conte's leaving. It's gonna be a manager swap with Poch going back to Spurs and Conte going to PSG. And I bet you he'll ask for Lukaku. And I hope to God we take whatever they offer. I I think PSG is the only team that'll be dumb enough to take anything over like fifty or sixty million for him. So that's a good thing for us. We'll be able to salvage <laughs> a lot of his fee. <laughs> I don't think we're getting a hundred million for him. That'll be tough. Um, it's okay if we don't. Yeah, but to kind of um, to kind of tease some future episodes here, Andres. Um, actually, you do the teasing. Why don't you tease our listeners what we got in store for them? Because I do want to get into the transfer business, but we got some teasing yeah. in store for you guys. So. With whenever we have the announcement of the new owners and and we get to hear their fresh press conference, uh, Zach, Sam, and I will each take turns as the sporting directors of Chelsea per se, and each of us will come up with a plan for the summer. Um, we each have free reign on how we want to go about it, how we want to discuss signings, how we want to discuss. Uh, systems and all that but we will do that as soon as we have the new owners so we'll discuss who our dream signings will be what why we're choosing these players to fill out a 22-man squad going into next season and uh yeah i think i mean none of us are going to share our answers until we each record individually so it's going to be interesting (laughs) yeah it's going to be interesting i've i've always wanted to download football manager but and I've never did it because I've I I always think if I download it that's the end of my social life. So this is like a good little taste of what it's like to play football manager for one day and then yeah. delete it forever and ever and ever. <laughs> Anyways, um Andres, I do want to move on. We have a match to talk about. The most entertaining match of the season. I say that with nah. all sarcasm. Um Chelsea 1-0 um against West Ham welcoming them to the bridge I just kind of want to dive straight into it I want to I want to avoid our usual uh breakdown of you know half by half analysis and all that um I just want to go straight into the meat and potatoes Andres Jorginho's penalty um (laughs) I think that's one of the biggest things in this match that we could talk about look I it's obvious Jorginho has looked um, like he's lacked confidence. He's looked like he's lacked some fitness as well. Tuchel's always spoken about the injuries he's had and whatnot. I am not using any of that as an excuse for missing the penalty. But I am just giving a little bit of context as to where the player's physical and mental uh, you know, side of his game, or at least where that side of his game is at, right? The mental side, 
he did get bounced out of the World Cup um, with Italy. He missed a crucial penalty in the penultimate match, I believe it was, um, which could never be easy. Don't forget, he also missed a pen in the shootout in the finals of the Euros. Um, so mentally, I think I think he's been through the ringer. I mean, this is a guy that we've talked about as a potential Ballon d'Or candidate last season, or at least a candidate to be on the short list. I think it was well-deserved. Um, you know, one of the better midfielders in Europe being from being that guy, this breakout star, um, to falling off a pretty steep cliff. Andres, what is... I mean, I, I have some sympathy for Jorginho. I'm an apologist because the things that this guy has done, I think he's redeemed any wrongdoing he's ever done. I mean, strictly just by winning the Champions League. Um, so I'm always going to have some affection for the guy. Do I think he fits our team systematically? Is he the perfect center mid for a Tuchel team? That's a different question. But I do have a little bit of sympathy for the man. I think he's going through it. What do you think? I mean, I don't think – here's the thing. Like, the mileage he's gotten this season are, is crazy, and I think yeah. it's catching up to him because he's the only midfielder that has been available all year. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. He is not the perfect fit for the system, um, especially in my mind, the newish alterations that we've made to play two strikers. I don't think it fits Jorginho whatsoever because it – it requires a little bit more directness, a little bit more quick transitioning from the back to the front. But in terms of the penalty itself, because I'm seeing all this reaction online, players miss. He Tuchel said something along the lines of him being 12 for 12 leading into this one um, for us. The thing with Jorginho's style is that when he does miss, it looks like complete shit. Yeah. It's not like he just runs up and blasts it and the the keeper gets a hand to it. It looks ridiculous because he rolls the ball. So if the keeper waits and is patient and does their homework, which by now they should have, they can just get a hand on it, which is what happened with Fabianski. Uh, You you know, you, you you have here, like, who should take our pens moving forward? Let it be Jorginho. He has the the, the percentage. But Jorginho, it, I doubt he listens to us. But why not mix it up? Yeah, you're, that, you're that, no that's longer, my take on it. You're no longer catching people off guard in the Premier League, at least. Because it's week in, week out. There's tape because you've taken now penalties since Sorry was here. Mix it up. One day, fucking just run and hit it. He has scored the ones that he just runs and hits. Like, you don't need to have a freaking slot on strength leg to score those. You're 12 yards away. But if you're trying to, if the hop step was catching keepers off guard, now that they know who Jorginho is, because again, he was a Ballon d'Or candidate and UEFA player of the year, like, it's time to mix things up. You're no longer a, a hidden commodity, a niche player, a guy that only Chelsea fans and Napoli fans know. Like, you're a household name. Change yeah. things up. Still do your hop step here and there, but mix it up a little bit. That's that's my view on it. It's tough because if Fabianski goes the other way, 
and Jorginho rolls it in. We're not even talking about this. Again, he looks like a genius. When the yeah. keepers miss, he it's, looks it's, like a freaking genius. Yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. So, like, you're damned if you do. I mean, look, if you're Tuchel, and if you're – this is just my opinion. And I mean, I even did this when I was coaching. I didn't have one penalty taker. I would pick whoever's whoever's the hottest. I had two players on my team that I really trusted to take pens for me. There was one that was a little bit better than the other, but he tended to be way more inconsistent in terms of just form. So the games where he wasn't on it, I have the other kid take the penalties, right? So you, I, maybe we can mix it up a little bit like that. Maybe have the guys who are banging take the pens. Maybe have Dave take a pen. I mean, he's shown a tendency to score all the pens he's taken too. He has a captain's armband. If If we had a Kai Havertz in the game who was in form, you could let him take the pen. You could hand it off to Pulis- Pulisic takes pens for the national team. All the English people that are listening will love to hear that one. But, <laughs> I mean, he he makes the pens when he takes them for the national team. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe you can mix things up that way. But the bottom line is this. Jorginho has been figured out in terms of his penalties. I think keepers are realizing, okay, if I just decide not to commit at all, then he's going to roll the ball right into my arms. Because normally what happens is the keeper waits and waits and waits, and then they, at the last second they have to guess and go one way or the other, and Jorginho sees that and goes the opposite direction. Fabianski just stood there and stood in the middle and said, I'm not going anywhere. And he was able to read Jorginho's body language in time, and I don't even think it was a dive. He more so fell to his right and just yeah. nestled it. So. It- it was a good save in in some aspects, but it's not taking away from how that was one of the shittiest pens I've seen since <laughs> Keppa, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's bad, right? Like, it, it, here's the thing: like when you when you don't put power behind a pen, you are letting the keeper fix a mistake. So even if they wait and you don't put power, they can react and get there. Yeah. So yeah, it. I, I wouldn't change the strategy. I, I don't think mixing it up is also great because then you'll have, like, it reminds me of when Ross Barkley took a penalty under Lampard when that, he shouldn't have. That like, was just, that was weird, though, because Ross wasn't a regular he took in them, the first He took team. everything in the preseason, though, so, like, if you don't... Yeah. If you don't have a hierarchy, then you have issues like that. And I well, think... Well, is also not going to be here forever. Well, that's why when he wasn't on the pitch during, I believe, the Club World Cup, or he Kai, took, Kai took it. Yeah. So, again, I think you have your hierarchy. It goes, I think it, Jorginho is number one. I'm, I'm not sure the clear number two is, but we've seen Mount and Kai take penalties. Like I like Reese as a penalty taker, too, because he just yeah, laces him and, it. Him and, him and uh, Aspie are, are great during shootouts. They just freaking boot it, right? Like, yeah. That's, that's more my style. Just get hit the ball Just hard and smash it in a corner pick a corner i don't care if the keeper reads it if you hit it hard enough he's not saving yeah exactly <laughs> so that's my point but anyways i think more is being made out of it uh because of his style of taking it and so yeah it's kind of like how was it simona zaza in the 2016 euros where he took like 50 micro steps and then he fucking skied it like oh yeah there's a reason why Conte chose him then. Like, there's always a reason why players are chosen, and and people like to get gimmicky with their pens, 
And when they get them, it looks great. And when they don't, it looks like shit. And Jorginho now, more often than not, puts them out, puts them in the back of the net. He got bailed out today. Or yeah. Not in yeah, and look, maybe this gives Jorginho a chance to look at his penalty style and say, okay, if the keeper's not going to commit, then after the hop, I got to start smashing it. Go for less style points. More power. But anyways, um, I want to move on from that. And I want to talk about the guy who drew the penalty, somebody we haven't seen in a while, Andres, not Lukaku, but Lukaku. <laughs> we finally <laughs> saw Romelu Lukaku again. It's uh, It's been a while. I think since – since what game, Aston Andres? Aston Villa. Aston Villa what, away, was it, where he drew the pen in that game too? Well, he scored. He scored as well. Like – I. He had a good performance. So, like, has he scored in Club World Cup? Yeah, he scored in the FA Cup. Yeah, like, he has scored goals. But this was, like, a nice cameo. Yeah. It is he a nice actually cameo. Looked decent. He looked like he gave a fuck. And that was a thing for me. Like, even when he wasn't on the ball, um, he was pressing Dawson when he was on the ball. And I noticed that out of the corner of my eye because Lukaku's massive. You can't miss him when he's pressing and running hard. And, 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 you know, like he's when he's in full sprint, you can't miss the guy. And um, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that. We've been shitting on him since the interview, and it's been well-deserved. But I'm not going to shit on him at all today. And I'm, we're also going to caveat it with this as well because we always have to do this on dress. We do not want Romelu Lukaku to be a failure. We have never wanted him to be a failure, regardless of what he says. Do we like the guy? Not so much. Do we want him <laughs> to score goals for Chelsea? Yes. Fuck yeah, we do. So I was happy to see it. Um, I thought his body language looked better. Granted, there were some... Um, you know, th- th- there are going to be the quirks that he's going to have to work out, right? Obviously getting into the flow of things. Kai Havertz is clearly the number one too. So if Lukaku wants any sort of chance of, you know, resurrecting his game, he does ultimately need to score the goals. But I think drawing the penalty is a great start. If not for his the rest of his Chelsea career, at least for recouping most of his transfer fee when he goes to PSG. So... That's my take on it. I was encouraged by it. Um, I also want to shout out Ziyech. Um, yeah. I don't feel the same about Ziyech as I do with Lukaku because I actually love Ziyech. But the impetus, the drive, every single time it opened up for him on his left foot, he was having a crack at goal. And I think in his top form, one of those goes into the top corner. So that's another guy that's also came, that also came on Hasn't really seen much of the pitch. And to be fair, Andres, I think he was hard done by by not even getting selected in this game or even the match prior against Arsenal where we, you know, rotated the squad a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think it's that switch to the three, four, three, four, one, two that has sidelined players like Ziyech and, and we'll get to Pulisic in a second. Yeah. But I was honestly surprised that Lukaku looked this lively in a 3-4-3 three, because three, we switched it up. The three subs came in and, and you kind of blew it up. It was no longer a 3-4-1-2, right? You had your two flanking wingers and he actually looked pretty decent at that. Um, 
So, you know, does this change how we line up moving forward? I think it has to. And I alluded to it earlier when, when it comes to Jorginho, right? In a 3-4-1-2, you need to go more north-south, more vertical, more counter-attacking per se, because you're playing with two strikers that are trying to stretch the defense. But in a 3-4-3, you can possess, you can be methodical because your wingers are are ultimately your creators. It's no longer your center midfielders. And so good on Lukaku for maybe finally buying in, maybe, because he was giving a shit and pressing and running. So a little late. <laughs> but if this is a turn of the page, good for him, because nothing is pointing like any part of this signing is, is a long-term commitment. Um, but that's the energy that we've been asking for. And that's why players like Timo Werner get a pass when they don't score. Uh, Kai today was not great. Not great by any means. Again, if Lukaku can play well, maybe Kai gets a break. Players need He needs breaks. a break. It happens. I yeah. still think that... It, is Lukaku a good player? Yes, I think Lukaku is a good player. He just needs to be less selfish with how he handles himself on the pitch and pl- like and today, the pitch. like yeah, right. But the even the Pulisic goal, which we'll get to, he did sort of a Timo esque thing where he made a run that dragged defenders out of the way to allow another teammate to benefit. Like mm-hmm. if he just buys into the cause rather than buying into wanting to compete with Mo Salah for scorer like top scorer like that's all we ask for and so the game will to come me, to him naturally yeah yeah the goals will come like he's a guy that likes to be isolated 1v1 with a through ball and that's just not how we play beat though. his man for power and pace go 1v1 and score i mean i mean look that that's what he said in the whole interview that's what he at least he was hinting at in terms of playing style right we like to possess a little bit more than lukaku does Lukaku likes to play on the break with green grass in front of him. But look what happens when he starts pressing off the ball and he buys into the team cause. Now all of a sudden you find yourself in a 1v1 five-yard sprint against Michael Dawson on the spin on the edge of the 18. You're going to win that every single time. There's your opening. If Dawson didn't take Lukaku down, he scores. I don't think he misses. (laughs) Because the way he was running at that ball and the way he spun off of it, he 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 had nothing else in his head, but I'm sticking this in the bottom near post corner. That's exactly what he was going to do. So, like, this is how he can – if he wants to resurrect his Chelsea career and be here long term, buying in is crucial because it's going right. to open up those opportunities where he can play the way he wants. He can find himself isolated 1v1 every now and then. So I don't know, though. I, I, like, like that's the thing. I, I'm, I'm almost hesitant to say that he's bought in just because it's only been one performance. But yeah, and and again, there's also the part where like he was missed. Like there was a specific run of play where Mount should have passed it, and then I think he he forced a shot. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't just Lukaku specific. Conte was in another chance too late to find Werner. Mm-hmm. Um, in another one, Alonso was wide open to to have like an easy cutback cross. It, it, those sort of decisions is is showing that the the sort of um, profile that the team is still missing from the midfield, not Lukaku specific. But again, mm-hmm. if he continues to have that energy to where he's relentless with his runs, with where he's you know always trying to to make a run because he expects to get the ball, you would hope that that gives more examples for 
someone like Tuchel to point out when watching the tape to the midfielders and to the other players. It's like, hey, the runs are happening now. You can't give me that excuse that Rom is not running. So yeah. eventually the balls will get to him. I think, again, I know Lukaku likes a partner. We don't have that sort of profile. The 3-4-3 would play to his advantage once that connection and, and those those relationships happen. I know that it's a little late to to try to form a relationship to, to finish out the season, but that is the truth. And and Ziyech has found him a couple times this season. Um, I don't think Z- Pulisic is much of an assist machine. I think he's more of the goal scorer himself. Yeah, but, he gets on the end of things more often. Right, but but Mount Mount is has been our, our for like has created the most chances this season. He'll eventually start finding him as well. Like he finds mm-hmm. guys like Kai. He's found guys like Timo. Like it, it's there. And so again, this he's was a not good a bad player. That's, yeah, it's a, that's it was a good point. performance. I hope he can build off of it. That's really it. Like you gave us a good cameo. Now can you give us another good cameo or or a good start next time that you get called up? Like let's build a momentum. It's it can't be. Oh, I got a goal, so now I'm gonna play my game because that's how it felt after he scored during the Club World Cup matches. It's gotta be like, okay, I did this well. What can I add to that? And eventually, yeah. the the goals and the assists will come. Speaking of goals, Christian Pulisic finally back on the score sheet. I think it's been a long time coming. Everybody's uh, I, I he's basically the the hot topic on Twitter. Um, since Real Madrid's <laughs> second leg, um, he finally got his goal. Andres, look, he he was so bright off the bench. I mentioned Ziyech before, but he just has a knack. Uh, Pulisic does has a knack of getting on the end of things and finding himself in the right position at the right time. I also want to shout out Marcus Alonso in this equation because I think this is the second time he has put in a cross late into the second half where we were able to scrap points. Yeah. I want to say he crossed it to maybe, oh, Ziyech, far post, where he played that yes. looping ball over the top to Ziyech. Um, but for all the shit that Marcus Alonso gets, stop disrespecting the man. He's won everything here. And whenever we write him off, he puts in a performance like this, and, and to be fair to him, he's put a, he's had a couple nice performances as of late. Um, so yeah, Real Madrid second leg, he was fantastic as well. He should have had a goal there, bullshit handball, but that's a separate story. But going back to Pulisic, Andres, um, he's yeah, a guy who's got, yeah, refocus. Sorry, I love Marcos Alonso. I think he's beautiful. But um, going back to Pulisic. He's a guy that gets a lot of hate on Twitter. He's gotten a lot of hate as of uh, as of late. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Andres, I think it's bullshit that we write players off so quickly. And I'm also guilty of this. Specifically, I mean, I talked about Ziyech. That's a guy I wrote off um, and admitted that I was wrong about. But I think a lot of Chelsea fans are guilty of just writing people off too early. When you don't it- consider the circumstances or the amount of playing time, or the position they're playing in, and how often they're playing, and how often the team system changes, the political circumstances surrounding the club. 
you know, I, to, all these different aspects, I feel like they don't get considered. And that's what I think is bullshit because we can't just look at the player for what he is and say, okay, if we can commit five to seven starts, five to seven matches to this guy, give him a run, right. see what he can do, and then judge him. But we're just judging him in one, in, in, in a sub cameo, you know, and, in, and in a here's, midweek match. It's bullshit. And people like to just look at the one performance, right? They don't look at the underlying things. Like Pulisic has been subbed in the second most out of any player in this club only behind Loftus Cheek. And that's because Loftus Cheek has played literally every position on the pitch minutes. outside of striker. <laughs> yeah. Um with that said, like he has the most goals off the bench in all competitions for Chelsea. And it's not like it's a whopping number. It's two goals. But at the end of the day, people want to give him shit for not doing something. He's, He's the, the only, only guy one. that has done something off yeah. the bench. And then on top of that, like you can't have starter level numbers when, and this is an exact number, 34% of your minutes come off the bench. You can't. This isn't, This there is no such thing in soccer where you can, or football where you can come in and immediately be in the heat of the moment of the game. This isn't a video game. Like this isn't the NBA where a sixth man can drop 11 points in two minutes. Like he has played so few minutes this season, like to, to, to continue the point of, of people wanting Pulisic to be like a messy level, Salah level player. He has only more minutes than Chilwell, who's been out the whole season. Saul, who is a failed loan. Kepa, who is a backup keeper. And Malang Sar, who we're all done with. Those are the only <laughs> four players who have played less minutes <laughs> I mean, it's not a lie. But no, these are no. only players who have played less than Pulisic this season. Only players. And, and, yeah. and Cho hasn't played in like a, two months to, to kind of just give you that idea. And on top of all that, he has already one more goal, goal contribution than he did all of last season. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm going to add even more. This one, I don't know if it's a fact, but... He has gotten us wins. His goals are equivalent to three points. And I can tell you for a fact that the guy that usually gets thrown in to to play instead of Pulisic doesn't do that. So Yeah, that guy's... guy's... I'm throwing stats here. I'm throwing facts. I'm throwing numbers. Like, these are... There there is no argument behind these things. Mm -hmm. He played half the season at wingback, and he has more cold contributions than he did last season already. Like, yeah, for people that want to hate on on Blizzard, cry me a fucking river. Does Play he fall on the floor a lot? Sure. After he scores. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and look. Tuchel like, did say like, oh, the timing of the last international break was really shitty because he had to travel through like four different time zones in the span of 10 days. He played a negative four and then went and played in like 70 degree humidity. Yeah. All yeah. that, and then he comes back, and then it's a little sluggish. Like, that really sucks. But then he's also been, like, a scapegoat, even by Tuchel. You mentioned yeah. the Madrid match. After that, that's after the international break. Ice cold. We haven't seen Pulisic till now. Comes in, does the business. To all the haters that disagree with Andres, I have some 
Uh, I have a supportive point for you, Andres. I'm going to help you out. For the haters that are listening and the ones that are going to address you on Twitter after listening to this. (laughs) All three ownership, potential ownership consortiums have significant American influence. So if you are anti-Polisic and he's on your transfer list, wake the fuck up. (laughs) He's not going anywhere. If you think that the poster boy of American soccer is going to get sold by an ownership consortium with Americans in it, you're out of your fucking mind. So it might be a good idea to start supporting the guy and to maybe look at the good things he does and not look at, oh, he's injury prone. Oh, you know, the Americans missed again. I'm sick and tired of that narrative. Judge him for the player he actually is, and that's it. Start supporting the guy because he's not going anywhere. Like, we're so ignorant and, and, and stupid because we write off players so quickly, man. Like, look at Loftus-Cheek or not Chalaba because nobody really wrote him off. But Loftus-Cheek is the prime example. How many people wrote the guy off? He's 26 years old, and now he's playing the best football of his career. And we're talking about him (laughs) as someone that we want to have in the squad going forward when we do plan on closing the gap. Like, that's the thing. We can't be so fucking reactionary all the time. You can't react after one performance. It's a joke. Are we forgetting about about the goal he scored against Liverpool in the cup? Or what about the goal against Man City? where he based three more points right there. That's six more points than the guy that we all supposedly want to replace him has ever gotten us. It's it's the little things that tend to be missed, and it's also the little things that the microscope tends to be on at the same time. You can't, you, you can't take these small games and instances in isolation. You have to look at the full picture. Like, give give the guy a break. Just back off my boy. <laughs> what, what did Terrell Owens said? That's my quarterback, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about this whole situation. It's just, it's just, it's stupid. It's a waste of energy. So that's that. Um, do you have anything else to add on on Pulisic? Because I I was thinking about it today when I was working out. Like I, I genuinely don't. Like he's not going anywhere. All three, all three groups have American influence. One of them. Um, is- uh, yeah, the, one more thing. If if all my numbers weren't enough, let me pull yeah. it up because I found another thing. Um, I believe if you're looking at goals and assists um, per 90, mm. I think he is second or maybe third overall. Um, I'm trying to find it last minute. One of our listeners, Bobby, he was here on the pod not too long ago. He shared it with us in in one of our groups. It's, uh, yeah, so Mason Mount is number one, 0.81 goals or assists per 90 in the Premier League. So, again, the competition that matters most to most fans. Number two is actually Christian Pulisic at 0.54. The next is Kai Havertz at 0.52. And then the next four guys are below 0.5. So again, the guy gets you goals and assists. 
per 90 in the Premier League. Again, the Premier League where he spent half of a season playing left wing back, right wing back, etc. Not his Just, position. He's never he played consistently in the same position for a run of games. Under, under Tuchel. Under Tuchel. Yeah. Because, again, I, I mentioned this maybe two months ago. Under Lampard, where he got to play as a starter, he had the most goal contributions. So is he a victim of his own success then? In that respect, because I, no. I under Lampard, we were all talking about he's 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 about to break out. Well, I don't know if it's victim of his own success. I think this season, our lack of depth fucked him over because he would have played left wing. He would have uh, been there. I'm talking like we about we had I'm, no wing back. We had no like we've had Tuchel has had to shuffle and change what goes into the pitch based yeah. on health, based on COVID, based on players not being healthy based on even Pulisic having a knock. So yeah. I, I don't think success because I don't think Pulisic has ever been a defender. It just, it sucks. It sucks because it just showed that somebody else couldn't do that role. And he was like the best option, which sucks. I think, yeah, that I think at this point it's, it's a, it's a topic we've talked about plenty, but the point is like for people that are like, Oh, finally Pulisic does something look at the whole season like you're you're very you're looking at it at a very small scope at this point yeah. like the subs were the difference in this match props to again Lukaku for earning the pen and props to Pulisic for getting us the win yeah um I do want to highlight um Trevor Chalaba and I think uh, Michael Conan asked the Good question. Uh, he asked, Chalaba certainly played more than well enough to have been starting over Christensen, right? The first part, I think Chalaba has played well across the whole entire season. And when you compare his season to Christensen's, it there's no comparison. Um, Chalaba's been miles better uh, on the whole. Not as of late. Well, actually, they've both been shaky as of late, but... Just put it this way. I'm glad Christensen didn't start. Now, the reason why Christensen didn't start wasn't because Chalaba has been better than him on the whole. It was because he had a stomach cramp. Now, I'm glad that this happened, Andres. Not just because I'm a Chalaba fan uh, and not a Andreas Christ- Barcelona's Andreas Christensen fan. Um, it's because even if Christensen started, we would have had the sub Chalaba on at some point anyway. <laughs> so... Hopefully we never see Christensen again. Um, I mean, but, I... but about Chalaba, I, can he be the guy to replace Rudy in the long run? You, I mean, we saw Thiago Silva talk him up. Um, I believe it was before the match. I thought it was. But he after. said that he can be Chelsea's center back for years to come. I think. I mean, Chalaba has potential. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's like a like like rudiger at the end of the day was playing on the left side i don't think chalaba will ever play on the left side he i think a rudiger really was, a, really was nice a monster shot. there's a reason why we've never played trevor trevor on the left like there's a reason for it like tuchel has chosen sar multiple times so i don't know if he's like a like for like replacement i think trevor has a better chance of perhaps doing the tiago silva role because he does have the forward thinking with his passes he's very progressive he's he's still learning the the tactical side of it but he's still very physical and very athletic 
I think he can transform into a back four center back because he's still very young. Um, I think that if he shows that he can play the way he played against West Ham, then maybe we won't see Christensen again, um, even if it comes down to the FA Cup final. Um, but I yeah, want to see Chalaba on the right and Rudy on the left. Yeah, so, no, they, so yeah, we all do. At this point, nobody yeah. wants to see Christensen. And and it, it it's good to see Chalaba play well again because he has been shaky um, the last two times he like started or even came on. He like gave up a pen, uh, yellow cards here and there, but he was very Silly solid fouls. again today. Yeah. yeah. So I think because he had been off the pitch for so long, I think it was one of those things where he was trying to do too much. But yeah, I mean, the guy's got the talent. He's he's shown it to us. He was he was a player of the month candidate at one point. Like people, he's shown really good mentality. Like like, yeah. like I actually commend him for and, that. And talking for, about, for a young player to have a dip like that, you see a lot of young players if they if they have two or three bad matches, they're they're stinking the rest of the season. Like, a la Christensen. Exactly. Christensen's not even a young player anymore. I'm not giving him yeah, that. Yeah, but but you talked about like people trying to, to like write off players. Like, no, Chalaba's still improving. He's still part of this team. I mean, the guy's mentality is for sure there. He wasn't even supposed to make the 22-man roster. I think so, in terms of mentality, he can not necessarily fill the void of Rudiger, but he does have a lot of similarities to Rudiger in terms of his demeanor like on the pitch. Yeah, he's you know, aggressive, he's, the, he, he's tough. If he's playing he's in physical. the back three and Rudiger's not in that back three, he's the most aggressive tackler. You know what I mean? Yes, you know, he, he has a little bit of attitude and bite about his game that teams kind of need. So I think in that respect, if we continue playing a back three, great. We we have somebody that we could play either in the middle or on the right. I think in years to come, eventually he'll be able to play on the left. But I also don't think we're going to be playing a back three for years to come. But even if we do play that back too, again, he has the physicality, the calmness on the ball. He has everything that your modern day center back needs, to, you know, to play in a back two or four. So I don't want to tease the, I, I don't want to tease my episode, but I mean, this is a guy that I would, I would build my back four around. If you're going to look for, you know, two center backs this summer, I think you look for one nailed on starter. Um, somebody that could come in and be an impact right away. Because like you said, Tiago Silva is eventually going to get phased out next season. And then you have Tiago Silva to rotate. And then potentially another young center back, a la Colwell, who can come in and be rotated into that in and out of that back four. Granted, we retain Dave as well. So I don't know. Um, for me, Chalaba is the guy that is going to save, save us a lot of money. But I think he's also going to be you know, a nailed on starter for years to come if he keeps continuing to improve the way he has. But like I said, I, I really commend him for his mentality through this because a lot of young players, they'd be done for the entire season um, in terms of production. And Chalaba just, you know, if he has two bad performances, a couple games on the sideline, comes back in and he looks like he didn't skip a beat. He, you know, he looked fairly confident. Granted, he gave the ball away early in the match. He rebounded. Again, showed his mentality and, and finished the match on, on a high. So I'm a big fanboy of his. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's because he reminds me a lot of Rudy, but, I mean, he ticks all the other boxes, Andres. Um, I, I really think he's somebody that we're going to build around. Um, do you have anything else to add about that, or 
um, not not just Chalaba, because I know I said everything that you were thinking about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, just about the match. Three points, one step closer. I think we're now like in the high 90s in terms of getting top four. So, yeah, got to get the the points. We got to win in a London derby. So I'll take it. Back to winning ways. Now, if we can beat United, um, <laughs> I think that nails on top four for sure. Um, and you could even debate that it might even nail on third place because keep in mind we do have another match in hand. Um, so that's that's our advantage. But we do have Man United. Um, they're sitting on only 54 points. They've dropped their last two. They're six in the league. Um, they've been crap, Andres. Uh, Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme, the czar of the... The bops. The czar of the bops. I almost said it, Andres. Um, (laughs) He asks, moving forward to Thursday's game, considering United's form and our consistent play lately, is this one of those tricky games for us? Or or one we should win outright? And who has to play to ensure a win? So let's answer the first part of that question first. He's basically asking... Is this a potential banana peel? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is because we haven't beaten United in a long time. I don't remember the last time we beat United in the league. I know we beat them in the FA Cup final with uh, Conte in his second season. But honestly, post Conte, I can't remember. I really cannot remember. I'm, I'm trying to find the statistic, but it's felt like forever. Um We've had these very kind of shitty nil-nils and one-ones against them. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look back. It looks like the last time we beat them... Yikes. Uh, we haven't beaten them since May 19th of 2018, the FA Cup. Just like I said. Since then, losses and draws. Under Herrera's red card. That was the last time we beat them. That was probably the match. It's really sad. The last time we beat them in the Premier League, November 5th, 2017. Yeah. Okay. It's bad. It's bad news. It's long overdue. And and it always comes when they're playing like shit, right? Like we think (laughs) it's going to be a win. We always think like, oh, like under Lampard, we thought it was going to be a win. Even under Tuchel last time, they were like, about to fire Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we thought it was going to be a win. I don't know what it is about United, but we Isn't cannot crazy? beat they've, them. They've been shit even longer than that. But just to <laughs> say out loud that Man United has been shit since 2017, that's four years. And they've been shit since when? When did Fergie leave? 14? They, the 13? closest they've gotten was like second place under Mourinho or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? One of the two got second place with this United team. Yeah, I don't know but who it was. It was also I don't the give year a fuck. Like everyone else was complete dog crap. Like I remember, <laughs> yeah. like, That's what Chelsea I was going to say. Chelsea was like in like line to beat them, and then we like shat the bed late, and even Liverpool jumped us to third place. I think that was mm-hmm. two seasons ago, or maybe just last – yeah, two seasons ago, I think, when – Frank's first season. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. And – I mean, man, this United team, Ragnick came out and said that it's such a shit show, right? Because it's 
First, it's, oh, we need a new manager. Then it's, oh, we need a director of football. Now it's, we need 10 new players to compete. And now the the board itself is saying, we don't need 10 players. So if there's ever been a shit show, United is the main act in the circus. Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty laughable. I have a bullet point here that just says Harry Maguire, LOL. Um, that pretty much sums it up for them. But that also pretty much sums that that pretty much sums up the teams that beat us. <laughs> the teams that beat us usually are surrounded by chaos. Um, yeah. Andres, the second part of the question was who has to play to ensure a win. We we talked Mason about Mount. a few players that are sort of coming into I, I don't know if they're coming into form but they've shown us something the team does look a, a bit tired who's 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 your front three oh man well I want a front three again I I really do I don't want to see uh, two strikers one attacking center mid without Kovacic on the pitch like I, that is that is a non-starter for me I think. You probably still start Kai Havertz, even though he was bad against West Ham. Plissick on the left, Mount on the right. Um, Alonso, Jorginho, Conte, Loftus-Cheek. And a back three. Uh, I take it back. I take it back. No Loftus-Cheek to start. Put Reese at wing back again. It's been too long. Aspie, left center back, Tiago, center back, Chalaba, right center back, and Mendy in goal. Yeah, I'm pretty much aligned with that. I hope Reese is okay to play. I know Tuchel said that the scans were positive, like they didn't show that there was any sort of injury. But mm-hmm. Reese did say something along the lines of it doesn't necessarily feel 100%. Then, then just put Loftus, Loftus Cheek safe. out there. He's doing yeah. fine. Like I'm okay. Like I'm okay with saying like Loftus Cheek at right wing back. Chalaba deserves another start at center back, and mm-hmm. and you need to have Tiago to calm things down back there. Tiago can be calming presence when facing someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, who should I, be yeah. Back. I think you got to get some of the technical players out there because United's probably gonna be forced back. Um, and they're going to be packing the center of the pitch too, most likely. So maybe get some of our technical players out there, run a front three. I, I agree with that. I don't necessarily think that we'll start with one. I, I have a, I just have a feeling we'll go with that two striker formation again. It Tuchel's the most unpredictable manager of all time when it comes <laughs> to guessing what lineup he's going to put out because there's always one, you know, there's always one random pick that nobody guessed. So. I'm going to hold off on giving my prediction, but I, I do think that we will see a front two and not a three. Maybe. Okay, Kyle well, if you're bailing on a full prediction, then what's the score? 2-0 Chelsea. They ain't scoring. I hope not. I freaking hope not. It's time, it, right? Like, we need, to, it, we need to break our ducks of certain, like, um, what are, like, mini curses so far the united one is one of the most annoying things in recent premier league campaigns for chelsea and then we still have the the fa cup final that's just in the back of my head like 
Yeah, it's just, just time. that it's just extreme time. general just sucks for us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go two 0 Chelsea. I think I think we'll we'll win. I don't know if it'll be a comfortable two 0 but we'll definitely score more than one. I mean, they're complete shambles. It's a joke. Their <laughs> defending right. is actually some of the worst that I've ever seen. So is that it for you, Andres? Is that you're gonna go two 0 I'll go one 0 just because it's United. I I don't okay. think we'll play well. I don't know That's what it fine. is. That's fine. I'll go. I'll, I'll go two nil, one nil. It doesn't matter. All that matters is three points. And I think if we get these three points, we'll be comfortably in the Champions League next season, most likely comfortably in third. So, with that being said, if you're not following us on Twitter already, make sure you are. You want to do these Twitter questions today, Andres? Yeah. Let's go ahead and finish those out. All right. Fine. Just we Leonard's. Got, just Leonard's. Okay. Uh, so we do have Leonard Cohen, a uh, good friend of the pod, asking us a question. He says, <clears throat> Dear Pod, with all three consortia committed to building a new stadium, none have taken naming rights off the table. Should the stadium remain Stanford Bridge, or are we happy or at least accepting of a name change? I'll let you have this one, Andres. Yeah, I, I don't think they've explicitly taken it off the table, but they've actually said that they don't plan on changing anything that's identity of Chelsea's logo, color, team location. So to me, the fact that they're trying to rebuild Chelsea stand by stand means that Stanford Bridge will remain Stanford Bridge. Yeah. I know that the Chelsea Supporters Trust and the pitch owners uh, are both some are both groups that the new owners all have spoken with and are all trying to to respect. So I, I do not think we are losing Stanford Bridge by any means. Yeah, I don't think we're going to lose it either. Um, all right. Well, that's that. You're not waving at me like a crazy person anymore. So I think that, I think that means we're okay to end the pod here, guys. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you are. Andres, what's our Twitter handle again? I always get this freaking handle. At Blues on Parade. I'm still so used to the old one. I was so close to saying it. Um, but anyways, if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you are. Hit us up. Ask us questions. Let us know what you think of the pod. We do try to drop an episode after every match. Um, So until next episode, keep the blue flag flying high.